0: Welcome to Tales from the Green Room Backstage conversations from popular music venues around the country Curated by Mount Tam Media Listen in as host Dennis Truzzullo and Mount Tam Media founder Tammy Larson Dig up conversations with artists Before and after shows in the exclusive confines of the Green Room Tammy Larson, here we are again, and I am super excited because Mount Tam Media is launching its Tales from the Green Room podcast series.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Well, we're both music lovers, so I mean, that goes without saying.
0: Yeah, this one's been in the works for a while, and what we have done here as well is we have have like a subcategory right off the bat, and we're focusing with a series of special episodes highlighting the 50th anniversary of the iconic Sweetwater Music Hall in Mill Valley, California.
1: Yep. where we have That's our second home now. <laughs> so, it,
0: it seems to be. All ours. Some people think that we are on the staff there, camping out in the production room. <laughs>
1: asking us to take their food. and
0: With uh, Dan Friedman. Shout out to Dan, who's letting us share the, oh, the room there. And we've had an amazing series of interviews in that venue's iconic green room. But we just thought it would be appropriate to start the series by actually actually sitting down with a person who is probably more at home in that venue's green room than any musician or as at home as any musician. That is rock and roll photographer, Jay Blakesburg. Jay
1: Jay. Oh yeah. And how, how ironic that we, you know, we ended up doing the interview at his house, which was unbelievable. Kind of hard to see the house because it's full of the most beautiful, incredible photography.
0: We got past that. Yeah. <laughs> not easily, but we got past it. took it. a long
1: time to get up the stairs. Yeah, with all we, of we got
0: past it and we kind of got right into it with his favorite Sweetwater Music Hall memories. And he was loaded for bear. He had a whole list. He focused on one, his first experience there essentially in particular in 1989. I'm not going to give it away, but you have to listen to oh, yeah. uh, how he got there and what, came
1: of it, who was there with him, et cetera. So, which was really a tribute, too, to something else he talks about when he gets a little philosophical. Philosophical. Easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, easy for you. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, just, you know, it takes a lot of hard work to get where he is. And I think um, and he had a great message about how important that is. So all that.
0: I thought it was cool. He did tell us a little bit at our prompting about some of the things he's doing now, which includes this amazing retro Blakesburg coffee table book, which is all about his uh, photography, a uh, film photographer. Mm-hmm. as opposed to digital, which started in 2008, I believe. So this all focuses on that part of his career and his personal life and to that end, his daughter Ricky helped curate that. Which I know, is, so cool. Which is cool. And you
1: know her, don't I, you? I do
0: know her. Well, my daughter played soccer against yes, her when they were about 12 years yeah, old, yeah, I think which, we, which was quite a while ago. And Jay also has a, um, an exhibit at the Morris Museum wow. in Morristown, New Jersey. Easy for you, sir, Which he'll, he'll <laughs> talk about, which is the only Smithsonian of affiliate in New Jersey. Ugh. So yeah, listen, he'll give you details on that. He teased us too with the fact that he's probably going to help us uh, co-host some of our future tales from it's the green probably. room. Not probably, he'll yeah, be I here. Know. He kind of laughed when he done the problem. He has a
1: lot part. of questions he can ask that we yeah. would never know too. So it's going to be so fun. So
0: we'll be uh, out there at other green rooms and bringing that to you in the future. But in the meantime, uh, please enjoy this uh, podcast with Jay Blakesburg. I think you will. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome everyone to a special edition of the Sweetwater Music Hall 50th anniversary podcast series and it's brought to you by Mount Tam Media. I am your host Dennis Rizzullo and with me as always is Tammy Larson, Hello. founder of Mount Tam Media. Hello, Tammy. Hello. Welcome. Today we are thrilled to welcome as our guest, our friend. And also a friend to many in the music scene, uh, rock and roll photographer extraordinaire Jay Blakesburg.
2: All right, welcome. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for welcoming us into your home as well. A little special touch. Thanks for coming to the city. Yeah. You guys left Marin. I don't know if you guys were allowed to cross borders like that. (laughs) It was a stretch.
0: um, But having grown up in San Francisco, I'm feeling at home. All right, uh, good. And great, great to see you. So, you know, and also thank you for just being here to share some of your Sweetwater memories and some of your other rock and roll delights okay. uh, related to the
2: venue. There's a lot of them.
0: Yeah, and, you know, so it occurred to me, you know, in terms of, we, we've interviewed a few folks already as part of the Sweetwater anniversary podcast. And it occurred to me that amongst those people, you have probably been there <laughs> and performed or you know, been working at the venue more than any of them which is, is very likely.
2: You mean the new Sweetwater or? Well, I'm going to put them together. I mean, if you just. just... Yeah, I mean, I discovered the old Sweetwater in the late 80s. And I think my first show there was what will end up being my epic story for your Sweetwater is 50th anniversary podcast, which I'm happy to jump yeah, into so if you, if, in you yeah, it, if you want to hear it, if you want me yeah. to wait, but, um, but yeah, but the late eighties, 89, I think is my first time going to the old Sweetwater. Okay. And is and, that, is that the one that we're going to talk about? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's, it's the main one that we'll talk about. You yes. know, there was a lot of really great things that I saw at the Sweetwater because it was a magical place. And, you know, eventually when I became friends with Jeannie Patterson, you know, she, I had an open invitation to go to anything that I want. I lived in the city. There was a lot going on everywhere, but there were so many great, amazing special shows that she brought to the Sweetwater. And there was obviously all these special Marin musicians and musicians, musicians from other places that weren't Marin that still love to come to the Sweetwater. Elvis Costello comes to mind, right? you course. know, because, and a lot of that also had to do with John Goddard and village music. And so, you know, I think it was that pairing of village music and the Sweetwater that sort of elevated that Marin County, Mill Valley experience to something that was incredibly unique and different than anywhere else.
0: I mean, there's no question about that. And I'm going to give a, a shout out to uh, Austin DeLone in there too, because mm-hmm. having just done a feature on on Audi for uh, Mill Valley Living Magazine and speaking to John Goddard as well about it, he basically said it was the three of them, Genie, uh, certainly Goddard who brought in the, uh, the musician to his eclectic collection of music and village music. Yeah,
2: well, Audie certainly comes to play in the one story that I will talk about because he was there. Okay, (laughs) okay. so So we'll
0: get to that. And because, so what I was saying though, I just, I was just thinking, so dating back to 1989, the, the old Sweetwater and the new Sweetwater, put them all together. And we've talked to Jackie Green, who actually played at the old Sweetwater, which I was surprised oh, I didn't to hear. know that. Yeah, yeah I was okay. surprised to hear that. We talked to Porter. George Porter Jr., who had his great moments. Uh, we've talked to the guys from Neighbor, although Neighbor has not played at Sweetwater, which is something that I feel like they should <laughs> at some point. I don't know, my, they may be getting too big for it eventually. But we talked to Ricky James from Neighbor, you know, cause he played there with Pink Talking Fish. We talked to Kyle Brewer, who uh, is with Neighbor now as well, who uh, played with Lebo there. So they had their, you know, their moments, but but if you add them all up, I think you probably, I mean, how many gigs do you think you've had at the Combined
2: Sweetwaters over the oh, years? Oh, it's hard to say, but I guess, I don't know a hundred, I don't right? know. Yeah, yeah. Something, I mean, I certainly have been to many, many shows there and uh, we ain't stopping yet. Yeah, You know, no. I mean, I mean, just next month alone, you know, we've got the Sarah Wasserman Music Kills International benefit coming up. We got the 50th anniversary show coming up with Bob Weir. I mean, there's shows there all the time that essentially we could, we could be going to. I have not really gotten back into the Sweetwater groove yet from post pandemic. I have been there. I have seen shows there, but I'm definitely not back into the full groove yet. I don't think I'm in the full groove of everything just yet. You well, know?
0: are we all or any of us? Yeah. All, but
2: I think that's it was a pivot.
0: Happened. So my point being you said maybe a hundred. Let's just use that number. I mean, how many artists have played Sweetwater a hundred times? Nobody. I mean, the com- I, I doubt it. I mean, Bobby. Yeah. I, mean, I, I
1: think with Halloween <laughs> coming up, if I were to dress up as Jay Blakesburg, I think people would know who I was, right? right They'd be like, yeah. "Oh, you're Jay. All you got to do is have a camera, wear some purple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd be fine. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm laying the groundwork here because you're a guy that's seen a lot there, maybe more than even people that have played there. You've had different perspectives, and so yeah, all right, let's do it. What is your <laughs> the, one of your favorite Sweetwater memories? And I got to tell you, you I don't think you're alone in this memory.
1: <laughs> if, it'll be very interesting if he has the same memory that we've, like Brian right. Murphy. I think well, we just
0: interviewed Paulie Mack and uh, Brian Murphy at Sound Summit. Excellent. And uh, talked to them about their favorite moments. And Brian had a great one that's very personal, but uh, Paulie had one and he wasn't even there, but I think you were. <laughs> We will get back to the Green Room in just a moment, but first, we'd like to thank and hear from our sponsor helping make this podcast possible. This episode of Tales from the Green Room is brought to you by the Sports and Entertainment Group of the O'Hagan-Meyer Law Firm. O'Hagan-Meyer is a proud holder of a Mansfield Rule certification, reflecting an ongoing commitment to consider a broad pool of candidates as it hires and promotes by intentionally including lawyers who identify as members of historically underrepresented groups. The Mansfield Rule is named after Arabella Mansfield, the first woman admitted to the practice of law in the United States. Mansfield Rule certification reaffirms O'Hagan Meyer's commitment to equity and inclusion. The firm has a national scope with offices in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., and can be found on the web at o'haganmeyer.com.
2: I did the Paulie Mac podcast yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did? Yes, I did, as well as being on KNBR. Okay, so, you know, I have a list of a couple of different shows that I'm going to talk about, but again, I think this is the first one that I went to. So, I was aware of Sweetwater, I knew about Sweetwater, I knew about Village Music, and I knew that John Goddard did these legendary parties. And uh, I did my first assignment for Rolling Stone magazine on 11-11-87, so 35 years ago. And the photo editor there, a woman named Jody Peckman, really relied on me to let her know things that were going on in the Bay area that they can put in their news items, you know, whether it was rock and roll news or random notes. And, uh, I had heard a rumor that the village music annual anniversary party, cause it wasn't a Christmas party cause it was in April was going to feature some like heavyweights like Elvis Costello and Jerry Garcia and who knows who else might show up. And so I didn't know anybody. I was just a young kid. I was still, I mean, you know, I'd done a lot of Rolling Stone assignments by that point in 89, the show I'm talking about happened on April 24th, 1989. And so Jody said, I don't know anybody. There's no publicist at Sweetwater. I mean, I guess we could have picked up the phone and dialed and said, who's, who can we talk to? And Jeannie might've been like, of course, Rolling Stone could come. But she just said, you know, figure it out and get in the door. So I go, I, (laughs) you know, right. So show night comes up, show night comes up. No, that was Jody at Rolling Stone. She said, figure it out and just get in the door. So I go to the front door of the Sweetwater and I, they say, what's your name? And I say, Jay Blakesburg. And he looks down the list and there's no Jay Blakesburg on there. Cause nobody knew who I was the fuck Jay Blakesburg was. But, um, I knew that there was a back door with the same exact list on it. Right. There were two entrances to Sweetwater. So I just saw, you know, Tammy Larson's name on the list. And I walked around back and I just said, hi, I'm Tammy Larson. And they said, come on in, you're on the list. And that's, and that's how I got into the Sweetwater for the first time. And, uh, lo and behold, it was Elvis Costello with Audie DeLone on keyboards. And, uh, some of the other guests that were there were commander Cody, Sammy Hagar. Mm -hmm. With his
1: overalls on.
2: Um, yep. Bob Weir. Who was the woman that was the singer there? Annie Sampson, Audie Delon on keyboard.
1: But who was the other guy?
0: Uh, oh, Char- uh, what was his name? It'll come to me. Keep going in your
2: memory. Um, <laughs> Scott Matthews on drums. Pete Sears on bass, I believe. Pete
0: Sears was there, yeah. And
2: and I believe the other guitar player would be James Burton. That's right, um, James okay.
0: Burton and his son Jeff Burton. And
2: yes, correct. Right. Yeah. And okay.
0: I just like let's not you know, forget Kim Wilson of the Fabulous Thunderbirds was there also. Kim Wilson, okay, I yeah. didn't, I didn't,
2: er, yeah. I did not remember that well, one. At and, that point, you didn't know. You know yeah, I mean, yeah. who who would? <laughs> um, no, I had actually already photographed the fabulous Thunderbirds by 1980. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is a whole nother story where I met a hell's angel who tried to kill me. Um, but that's a whole nother story for another time.
1: Well, I have somebody who wants to interview you for a documentary coming up about that. So, okay.
2: Yeah. So anyway, essentially I snuck into the Sweetwater and I'm sure everybody who's talked about the Sweetwater for this podcast has mentioned that you know the room only held 75 people that's right right i mean there was what eight tables 10 tables a couple seats and a little bit of standing room over by the little by the bar and i just sort of blended into the background and as these musicians rolled out i took these photographs and of course they ended up in rolling stone magazine and of course Jeannie Patterson was thrilled that they were in the magazine. I think John Goddard was a little bit annoyed at me at first because <laughs> he's like, who are you and what were you doing there? And you weren't on the guest list, but John and I did become really good friends and still are to this day. And, and yeah. I love him dearly, but that was really, for me, that was my introduction to the Sweetwater was sneaking in for the Jerry Garcia, Elvis Costello, Bob Weir, James Burton, blah, blah, blah. Um, Epic, epic, okay. legendary show that I believe Jesse Block
1: filmed. That's, my, that's our question. Is that it? Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, have you seen the footage from that night?
2: I feel like I have watched some of the footage from that night. Well, what you need to
0: do is do it again soon because it's on YouTube. Yeah. And all you have to do is put the Village Music 21st Anniversary Show, Sweetwater, Elvis Costello. And it comes right up. Bang. It Magic. Comes up after writing this story on Audi and doing all this research and talking about all these people after several weeks really Audie said oh yeah it's on YouTube and I found it and it was like watching the ghosts from it Christmas was, past yeah. it was, was crazy Jerry out.
1: Garcia because Audie he was like hey is Jerry Garcia in here hey where's Jerry Garcia hey is Bob we're here is Jerry Garcia around we'd like to get uh, Pete Sears around Mr. Sears if you would and Jerry Garcia where are you man
0: Now we're rocking. Hey,
1: Jerry, Jerry, it, it plays real easy. You know,
0: you, know, you can't play hard. God, you know, that's the way I play. The, issues, right? the
1: news is out. All over time.
2: I mean, Jerry's playing Elvis's guitar because he has his name in the guitar neck. same one he played the Grand American Music Hall a couple of weeks ago when he was here in San Francisco. It says Elvis Costello and Mother of Pearl in the neck. But I want to mention a couple of runner-ups, right? Just real quick because yeah, then, then we can up. move on.
0: Hey, well, a quick interruption. Uh, was it the musicians you saw that
2: night or was it sneaking in that was your favorite moment? <laughs> Both. <laughs> and now... 33 years later, I mean, those photographs are somewhat iconic for both the Sweetwater, myself. Yeah. I mean, Elvis Costello loves those pictures. He's thrilled that there are really good, high-quality professional photographs taken of him and Jerry Garcia on stage. And, you know, it was my mission to go out there and make that happen. You I did. nailed it. Good job. All right. August 22nd, 1989, John Lee Hooker's birthday party at the Sweetwater. Albert Collins, Bob Weir, Carlos Santana, Roy Rogers, Robert Cray. Big birthday cake I'm pretty sure that's also the show that Tom Waits came and just hung out at in the audience. Yeah, I have, a, pic- I have that, a picture. I have a picture of Waits yeah. and uh, and Genie. Maybe that one ran yeah. in the IJ yeah. recently. Okay, yeah, I think it's from that show. Another great show, um, January sixth, nineteen ninety two. They did a filming for a British BBC. I think it was mm-hmm. some sort of British BBC or uh, anything. It was a John Lee Hooker special. JJ Johnson, you know was Chuck Berry's piano player, Mm -hmm. uh, Roy Rogers, John Hammond Jr., Albert Collins, Bonnie Raitt, Robert Cray. (laughs) Uh, I have a very well-known photograph of all of them downstairs in the dressing room. You know, the ceilings were like eight feet high down there at the Sweetwater. The genie
0: um, used to pass the drinks through the uh, through the, uh, the floor.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- another, I believe that this was another anniversary party for John Goddard. I believe I was invited. Um, uh, <laughs> May 11th, 1992, Otis Clay and oh. Peebles, you know, and I think Maria Moldauer sat in and there's one other Memphis Stacks artist that was there and I can't remember who it was. You know, there was a show just... March 1st, 1990, and I have a portrait of JJ Kale backstage and uh, he wasn't playing he was just there but uh, that might have been the one with uh, Carla Thomas no actually Carla Thomas was December 1691 which I think was a village music Christmas party and that was with little Jimmy Scott do you know who little Jimmy Scott is no. he was this pretty well-known jazz singer in the 40s and the 50s who by the 1960s became pretty obscure and sort of disappeared and went on to a career as like an elevator operator in a hospital and things like I mean this incredible vocalist. And I believe that it was John Goddard that pretty much found him, rediscovered him, got him out of retirement and had him come and play at the Sweetwater for his party.
0: I read about that and, recently. And you know? then he
2: went on to record multiple records wow. for Warner Brothers and sort of had the second career after not playing music publicly or professionally for know, Several decades, right? the skids too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was a hospital orderly. And he had some genetic disorder of some sort which um, prevented him from reaching puberty, I believe it was. So he had this really high voice. So he was a man that a lot of people thought was a woman because of the way his voice was.
1: Could talk to you. I know.
2: But uh, also Carla Thomas, who I believe is a Stacks artist, was on that bill with him. And I think that might have been, like I said, a... the woman that
0: was there in 89 as well? Uh,
2: no, in, in 92, that was Ann Peebles and Otis Clay. And, wow. the, and it might have actually been Carla Thomas was the third. I can't remember. Charles she could Brown. Have been... That's
0: it. Charles Brown. Oh, Charles Brown. Brown yeah. Oh, so. he was the pianist,
2: Yeah. Uh... That's what I thought you were talking about. I did a, You know, he used to go to the racetrack, the horse racetrack over in Oakland all the time. I did a photo shoot with him there for a magazine and wow. he like gambled all this money with a picture of him tearing up all his tickets and <laughs> Throwing them in the air really? after losing he money, was something. Boy, but you know, lady. but the, there were so many incredible moments. I mean, like uh, Les Claypool and the Electric Apricot, you know, mm-hmm. filmed some of their documentary movie there, their uh, mockumentary, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Bob Weir and Phil Lesh, the beginning of Further, did a show there, wow. uh, or maybe that was actually the there beginning of the, the Dead. Wasn't that the-
0: uh, New Sweetwater? No. No. Old Sweetwater. No. Old, old Sweet. Yeah, the Old Sweetwater. Yeah.
2: That must have been when they were doing The Dead. Um, the Dead. Yeah. The Dead. Yeah. The Dead. And they, because yeah. it was, I think, Warren Haynes and you know, I mean, on that tiny little yeah. stage, and the old Sweetwater was Phil, Bob, and you know that band, right? This is
0: the third time during this interview I've gotten chills. I
1: boy. know. Anyway, wow.
2: so those are just some of those magical moments at the old Sweetwater that I got to experience, and there are many, many others as well. So it was a special place. in Jeannie, and have you ever seen Jeannie's handwriting? Have you ever seen anything? Oh, I'll find. I think
1: the library actually. I'll, has I'll some. find something. <laughs> she
2: had the most unique, incredible artistic handwriting. I, I can't even describe it. But every time I went to a show there, I would send her eight by 10 prints that she would thumbtack to the walls and the downstairs in the Sweetwater as part of the museum that it was. And she would write me these wonderful thank you notes. And she was so grateful every time. Cause like people always said, Oh, I'll send you some photographs. And a lot of people never did. And I just always did as a thank you. Like I'm in the dark room. Here's a couple extra prints for Jeannie. And she was just so grateful and wrote me these great thank you notes and these really wonderful letters and invitations and things. Like, and I have all that stuff saved. That's wonderful. Um, so it was pretty cool. And then right when she closed down the original Sweetwater, she actually asked me to come there and photograph just the walls and the interior oh, just wow. empty just to sort of remember it because wow. it really was this unique, you know, all those 8x10 promo pictures just thumbtack floors, walls, ceilings, you know, desk everywhere. It was a very, very cool little vibe backstage.
1: So something I found out the other day because I'm on the Sweetwater 50th anniversary committee, I want to say Christensen, uh, there's, there's a guy that is doing a documentary of the 50th anniversary for the Sweetwater.
2: Eric Christensen maybe? I pa-
1: That's Jared. Does Jared sound... No, okay. Anyway, but yeah, probably would love to get a hold of some of those photos. We have them. Yeah,
2: okay. I have the archives. Okay. I've hung on to them. I
0: mean, Jeannie put her life really into that uh, that club, you know, and that was...
2: I mean, you know, Aaron Neville and, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on of all the people that played there. And I mean, the, there were 75 seats in that place. Like, I don't know how you can make a living. Well, I mean, those artists must've gotten paid $500 set
0: up because I was just thinking Genie really couldn't at the end of the day, make a living. And then the lease issues came right. up, et cetera. But as uh, Michael Klein, one of the you know key investors in the Sweetwater, I know, you know, Michael. Sure. Uh, of course. But, uh, Michael told me, he said, the problem that Genie had is it became so popular. There's a hundred people at the bar. Are when they squeeze people in and nobody can order a drink, right? And that's how you make money. And that's how you make money, right? right? Yeah. So that was one of the deals. So it was just a labor of love,
2: and it's uh, it still is, and well, it's, well, yeah. it still is it's a yeah.
1: nonprofit. <laughs> and, I, and I'm
2: and I'm thrilled to have documented some of that history. And cont- mm-hmm. you know, my whole career has been here in the Bay Area. A lot of big name photographers had careers in New York and L.A. And I feel very fortunate that I've had my career in the San Francisco Bay Area because this is just such a unique little microcosm of the music industry. And you know, we're all warped and. Twisted because we live here in the Bay Area and and that's right up my alley. <laughs> were,
1: you, were you very like specific in your mind in terms of like genres and, and bands that you wanted to cover?
2: So I was always, I feel like I've always photographed bands that I've liked and I've enjoyed. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, sort of a weird history nut in terms of pop culture music. And so, you know, in high school, we listened to a lot of blues. I mean, we listened to a lot of Muddy Waters and Johnny Winter and mm-hmm, Albert King mm-hmm. and, B.B. King and stuff like that. So, you know, that roots music was always part of me. If you go back to, you know, obviously I'm somewhat known in the Grateful Dead world as a Grateful Dead photographer. And, you know, if you look at the roots of the Grateful Dead, a lot of that music is totally. stuff that, that you know, influenced, inspired and they played as well. You know, the Golden Road Magazine, that Grateful Dead fanzine that Blair Jackson and Regan McMahon did back in the eighties and nineties, I think they had like a roots column that sort of explored the roots of Grateful Dead songs and covers and stuff like that. And so I've always loved folk and Blues and rock, you know. Like I'm not the guy that ever photographed hair bands. You know, like I've yeah, I photographed Motley Crue once and a couple of other, you know. But I'm not like the metal guy. I'm the hippie guy, and I'm the blues guy. I'm the folk guy. I'm right. the, you know, like that's sort of my thing. And you know, now in terms of what I shoot, I shoot what I like or what I think I might like. And uh,
1: what is that now?
2: I mean, I love the War on Drugs up on the Tam oh, Sound I had that? never heard them before or seen I them before. Neither. I've heard a lot of great things. I have a lot of friends that love them and i just have one word to describe their set wow Powerful, right? You Powerful. Know what Tammy
1: was saying. I was to me? like sitting there, like, what is? What are we experiencing right well, now? What you right were now? saying,
2: Tammy was watched We were watching
0: you doing your work, yeah. up there, and I saw you getting behind, you know, back, and I saw some of those photos that came out of that mm-hmm. from the behind the stage, out to uh-huh. the crowd, which was awesome. Because yeah. normally everybody wants to get that background of the city, but those were great shots. But Tammy said Jay looks like he is
2: having so much fun. <laughs> I, was, so I right? thought they were great, and they're really, they were really good people, also. but you know I mean I'm old and in the way and so I listen to I'm not interested really in discovering the newest alt rock band or the emo band but like you know Faye Webster who was you know 21 years old or whatever she is and and total emo girl like I enjoyed it and I liked shooting her and I found her fascinating but like you know I'm not out on Spotify looking to discover new music like I'm very content listening to the music I've been listening to for the last 50 years yeah. and, and artists like and it that continues to fulfill and, our and souls. Evolves, yeah. so that that music know. is
1: evolving. I mean, some, some of these uh, new bands are taking yeah. that and, 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 and
2: in terms of like new bands, like the new bands that I'm discovering are the the jam bands, you know? Yeah. So I listen to the gooses and the pigeons neighbor. playing Big Bong and neighbor and twiddle and eggy and, you know, dogs in a pile and all these bands that I just like, cause I mean, I love these bands because you know, they're taking risks, right? So, you know, you know, I love Tom Petty. I love the Rolling Stones. I love all these bands, and you can go see them and they're going to play the same songs the same way every single night, right? And most bands do that. They play the backing tracks and whatnot. I'm not saying Tom Petty did that <laughs> or whatever, but you know, the n- newer bands, even big touring bands have tracks and they don't really veer off. And to me, I feel like I'd much rather see a band that sounds different every single night Mm -hmm. and is willing to take those risks and risk falling off that cliff. Because as I like to say, with anything you do creatively, no risk, no reward. And so for me, you know, I love this. I love all this, these new bands. I love Goose. I love Pigeons. I love Twiddle. I love these bands. And, and that's the music that I'm happy to listen to whether or not even, you know, listen to their records. I just love the vibe of the show, the fans. They're my, People. I can relate to those people. We are all mis- misfits, as Bob Weir once said <laughs> misfits made for misfits. And so they're my tribe, and I dig the scene and I dig the people and I dig being around that music. And so yeah, that's what I listen to. Yeah, so you are.
0: We yeah. saw Goose when they were just playing poolside. Right. Right. They're playing know. poolside at
2: uh, Playing in the Sand. No, between...
1: because Jay took a picture of us. but Oh,
0: he did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was there. Uh, yeah, I, I know was there.
1: like, yeah. he's not taking a picture of us. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, saw,
2: I saw them open up as an opening act for Pigeons Playing Ping Pong just before. The pandemic at the Great American Music Hall in the Regency. They were the opening act. They. I just went to their headlining show at Radio City Music Hall a couple months ago. Eight thousand people. Red Rock sold out. Eight thousand people. Wow. You know. I saw
0: that, and I'm thinking there we were Poolside, and mm-hmm. here they are now. Or there they were Poolside, and it's right? just in a
2: few years. So they've really they, they are the the next great hope of the jam Speaking band world. Speaking of that, Billy Strings. Yeah, Billy <laughs> Strings
0: comes to mind. I mean, let's just talk about Billy Strings. I mean, yeah. Tammy's gonna get a oh, uh, Volkswagen god. van and follow I, um, him around the country. He's incredible. Uh, oh my we, god, have, we've seen him in Santa Barbara.
2: We I saw him at Martha's Vineyard. Did you see the photographs he took of me?
0: No. Oh, I did. I did. That <laughs> was,
1: was that at the, the last? Was
2: that the benefit? That was at the, the yes. Camp Winter yes. Rainbow Wavy yes. Gravy Benefit yeah, at that the was Herbst. Amazing. He said, let me have your camera. And he took pictures of me and his photographer, Jesse Fats. Yeah. And he got on the floor and, and Jordan, who put the benefit on, she took some pictures with her phone <laughs> of Billy Strings upside down on his back with his feet in the air taking pictures of me and Jesse, the other photographers.
0: That's awesome. That's pretty Great. funny. Is that is Jesse the one that's in that old video? I
1: think so, where he's like... St- don't Billy, I think Billy really watching like, Billy I don't play.
0: Know, I want to say he's fourteen or something and his friend is hanging out. <laughs> no, that's not Jesse. That's not Jesse's Jesse. only
2: worked with Billy for the last whatever three, oh, four okay, years okay, or right. whatever. Yeah. But, but Billy looks strings, like them, I mean Yeah, incredible human being, incredible musician, incredible songwriter, incredibly good person, you know, and, and uh another one, I mean, he won a Grammy. You know, like, yeah. I mean, he's taken this bluegrass genre that bands like leftover salmon and the mountain string band and you know, so on and so forth have been, you know, toiling in for decades, you know, even ever since, you know, the beginning of Sam Bush and Bela Fleck and John Hartford and the new grass revival and Mike Marshall and Daryl anger and all of those people, you know, Billy has like taken that, you know, to this new level now. And, and he loves playing with those guys. Oh, he does. I mean, they yeah. were, they reinvented bluegrass in the. 80s I guess Sam Bush our funny story
0: about Billy Strings is uh, when he played with Bobby at the benefit I think it was February of this year I couldn't make it I was traveling back east and Tammy went to the show and she sent me uh, a text not even a video she said there's this young kid I think it's one of uh, Bobby's kids friends or something playing he's
2: amazing and that was Billy (laughs) it was Billy the next day that's too funny
1: (laughs) I went home and I watched like every YouTube of Billy Strings like 25 YouTubes and I was like I was sold on him he's like
2: what are the chances
0: as we'll see him with the the new, uh, I'm not going to call him dead in company, but whatever happens
2: after. Uh, I have no idea, no but you can't even speculate. But yeah, no, that was great when Billy came out and played with Bobby and, you know, he's played with Billy. I was in Hawaii with them when they did that. Yeah, yeah that's great. Billy's that Billy's unbelievable. He's a yeah. so, yeah, wonderful, he wonderful human being. And
0: all right. Well, let's, let's bring it back a bit to the Sweetwater though, because this actually dovetails all crosses over nicely. But tell me, What do you think, what are your impressions of how Sweetwater has weighted the transition from the old venue, which was so iconic, you can't ever really repeat what happened there, maybe you can, in some different fashion, but... Any impressions of how they've waded through that transition to the new venue? And then they got shut down during COVID and came well,
2: back. Well, I mean, my impressions are that, you know, all the various incarnations of the management of Sweetwater have all been really wonderful people. And obviously the pandemic threw it into a tizzy. And so my impressions of Sweetwater in general, that it's just been a great venue to go to and to see live music. And listen, you know, making money in a small club in the live music space is not an easy thing. And so the current person, Chris, who's booking Sweetwater, I think it's in great hands with him. He does hardly strictly bluegrass. I've Mm -hmm. hung out with Chris a bunch and and a very smart man and very knowledgeable. And I think that like um, people have been talking about, you know, this community of deadheads, we'll call them Marin County deadheads that sort of shifted from the Terrapin crossroads, maybe right. back to Sweetwater. We're not going to be around forever. You know, we are aging out as they say, I guess. That, does that mean we're growing up, Tammy? Yeah. Are we, are we know. growing up? Oh I my God. Know. Growing old. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But it's so true. And, oh, and it's so, so true. but you know, oh all of God. us live music freaks are, yeah. you know, we will continue to go there as long as yeah. we can go see live music. But yes, they need to bring in younger crowds. They need to find music that, Works in a 250 seat club. Is that how Big Sweetwater is? It's about 300. 300, yeah. you know. They need to, and they will find that group of people that want to see music in small venues and tap into the earlier parts of bands' careers. That's yeah. am going to play three. You know, because every band starts out in a Three hundred seat venue. You don't mm-hmm. start out in a thirty thousand seat venue, mm-hmm. right? And so they their booking policy will reflect that, and Chris Porter will find the bands to play there, and hopefully, if they build it, they will come.
0: I'm going to read you a quote. We, we mentioned Michael Klein, and I mentioned this, uh, I think, off our before our interview. But this is Michael Klein, and Michael Klein is largely responsible for saving Sweetwater probably once or twice Mm -hmm. (laughs) along the way. But this is what he said, and it's really uh, spot on with what you're saying here, Jay. Uh, The music at Sweetwater has to change. We must create a succession path because the owners of this business soon enough aren't going to be here to listen to the music. (laughs) And that's us too, right? uh, The people around it. The one thing about Sweetwater that really separated it is that it became, as Bobby Weir put it, the playpen of local musicians. They knew they had a place to go, where they could be safe, respected, and bring anybody they wanted to play and play what they wanted. He says his vision of the Sweetwater is that 20... 40 years from now it's still a playpen for local musicians whatever that music is and you know that's
1: Listen, I'm,
2: I'm only 61 so I figure I got 30 more years
1: I was gonna what say who are you me? grooming to take right. over Well, that's for that's my
0: <laughs> question it's a, that that yeah. is our question what I'm serious what yeah. I mean so here we sit here 33 years after that 1989 show right I think if my math is right on that and we go wow the, look, look who played there right I mean can you envision anybody now that you would say 30 years from now people will say oh Oh my God, such and
2: such band played at Sweetwater. I'm not out there discovering that much new music. I don't really know who those bands are, but they're out there and they exist. And some of them will be roots musicians. Some of them will be bluegrass musicians. Some will be folk musicians. Some of them will be hard rock musicians. Uh You know, the Sweetwater does not discriminate and all genres of music can fit into the Sweetwater, and uh, that's what will make people continue to come and experience the magic of the Sweetwater.
0: Yeah, you know, Maria Hoppe, the current general manager who's done a great job in, in all of this, too, she had a, I have another quote from here. I pulled all these quotes out mm-hmm. because I thought they'd be relevant. She says she wants to honor the original music that built the Sweetwater, such as the roots in Americana, blues, folk, rock, bluegrass, and country, mm-hmm. uh, but cultivate exposure to new forms of music influenced by these genres. And she brought up a uh, psych rock you know when talking about that are you up on the psych rock bands because we're I'm not, not I'm not
2: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not I know what it is and I know I know, I mean I know there was this one called wooden ships I don't know if they're still around but no I'm not really. thank you for making us feel better because we didn't yeah. know. well
1: Bob, Bobby said he wanted to bring in country well
2: Bobby wants to bring in country yeah his, he has a sort of a country well app. I mean if you look at some of the, like what's considered country right now people like Margo Price yes I mean she's mm-hmm. obviously too big for Sweetwater but she could certainly come and do a benefit yeah. I mean what is Lucas Nelson? Is that Americana with a little bit of? I mean, I think Americana. You know, yeah. But you know, he's got a he's got a country twang uh, to his
1: yeah. thing. Oh, for To sure. his to his twang. Yeah. better. Do you know who his father is? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> of
0: course. We're looking <laughs> forward to seeing Lucas in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there uh, and uh, save
2: me a spot up front. Uh, we shall. Uh, yeah. We got. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: you need, need to save us a, a spot <laughs> up front. We, we, have, we
0: have some surprises uh, that night, which we'll tell you about not here because we want it to remain yeah. a surprise. One little surprise. Anyways. yeah, we don't know what it is, but it, I I, I think, I mean, Mm -hmm. tell me if you agree and maybe you're not you haven't got back into the Sweetwater groove yet enough to say it, but I, I think it's going in the right direction that this could happen, that it could stay alive. Well, it has to stay alive,
2: yeah, because their alternative is is no, no bueno. Yeah, so yeah, they're smart people, like you said, Maria and and uh, Chris Porter, and you know Maria Hoppy, you know steering the ship, and they know what the mission is. I know one thing. Tammy is
0: always talking about is the influence bands now have when they want to bring a message to their, their music? Does that, well, Yeah, yeah Well, just, well
1: it's, it sort of feels like the, you know, the late sixties now, I mean, there's just so much going on in terms of, you know, the environment changing rapidly and when it comes to women's rights and everyone's rights. And so it feels like some of the bands, they really, they have their own message that they're putting out. And it, it, it reminds me of what it must've been like in the sixties and early seventies. Do you feel that at all? Like when you're listening to music and you're out? I mean, do you feel like... I think that there are politically minded musicians
2: and there always will be. I think that we are in such a divided, horrible state of mind in our country these days thanks to that motherfucker Donald Trump. Oh my God. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, that, you know, he did a fabulous job of dividing our country and really splintering it Mm -hmm. and really... Mm-hmm. you know, creating a battleground. And I think that it's just really unfortunate. And so public pop culture figures of the sixties and seventies, specifically musicians and actors as well, were very outspoken. You know, I'm reading a great book right now about uh, Dennis Hopper and Brooke Hayward from the sixties and just read the part about the riots on sunset strip that Steven still saw, went home and wrote right. for what, for what it's worth. And uh, I think that there are still artists and musicians out there. There that are aware and commenting on you know social issues in their music and in public.
1: What about the new upcoming musicians. You feel I'm hoping that
2: they do. I'm hoping yeah. that people yeah. are not just, you know, pop tarts,
1: right. You know, using and, a, a, and the actually using
2: the platform to do good for the planet because they have a, a voice and they have a lot of people listening to their voice. And so, you know, we can only hope that people can use that influence to, you know, bipartisan ways, you know, vote. Yeah. It's your responsibility. It's your future, the planet, the environment, you know, high gas prices, mm-hmm. vote. Vote, you know, you know, do your research. Don't just listen to don't just listen to Fox News. Don't just listen to exactly your side of the aisle. Right. You know, do your own research, become aware of what is going to benefit your planet, your people, your country, your right. community—in the long run—and uh, don't
1: get caught up in the wave of the drama. I think that, it's you know, important
2: that I think it's important that musicians do that and speak their mind. Yes. Whether or not they do it, you know, I can't say.
1: Well, there's a bigger platform now because now there's social media, so now you can reach a lot of people.
2: Certainly can. Just like that, a right? A lot I, of that music can, in uh, our
0: yeah, what you know, even the dead, I guess, was rooted in social justice in a sense, you know, and that was genuine, and that's separated them from the pop bands, et cetera. So,
2: you know, we, we have that Mm -hmm. sort of contend with. So, you know, I was talking about little Jimmy Scott before, and I, I, I'm going to take that opportunity to mention that I put him in my new book that just came out and that book is called retro Blakesburg. And it's a, what I call my visual autobiography. And so it follows my career from the 1970s as a teenager up until 2008 when I stopped shooting film. So it's only photographs that I shot on film. All film. And so the Sweetwater has a nice place in there because that's part of my history, right? So, you know, I just wanted to mention since we are on a, a media platform and I do like to let people know about projects that I'm working on that I have a new book well, out.
0: It's, it's like you, he looked at the set list. My, the net set list said, uh, what are you up to these days, yeah. Joe?" That was next. Oh, that was the next <laughs> question? <Yeah.
2: laughs> okay, so what am I up to? So, 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 well, I have a new book out. Um, and for those of you listening to this podcast um, nationally, I have my first solo museum exhibition that just opened at a, a museum in New Jersey called the Morris Museum, org, And the Morris Museum is the only Smithsonian affiliate museum in the state of New Jersey. And it's a career retrospective starting in 1978, going up to 2008 when I stopped shooting film. So again, it's only images that I shot on film and it's 125 prints in four big galleries. There's a live concert gallery there's a portrait gallery there's a grateful dead gallery and there's an early work gallery and you know there's didactics on the wall where they talk about me and say nice things about me and what inspired me and there's ephemera and glass cases and things like that so it's like a real museum it's like the real deal it's a real deal like uh, like we're legit here in the bay area is as that a, morristown Morristown, New it Jersey it's Town. About, about 35 minutes from the Holland tunnels for those of you in New York city. So, so that was a big, that took a lot of effort the entire year, the previous year to get that museum exhibit. And my daughter, Ricky, she curated the book, she curated the exhibit. And so she's involved in what I'm doing and keeping me on the straight and narrow path to remain creative. And I guess trying to keep me relevant as well. How fun is that though, to work with your daughter? Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. So. She's come a
0: long way since I saw her on a soccer field uh, playing New against New your daughter, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> going go.
0: head to head. Yeah, funny. Yeah. Uh, the straight and narrow. Tammy, do you want to uh, jump on the straight and narrow comment?
1: The straight and narrow well, comment? Well, I
0: mean, I just thought he, uh, Jay opened up a place for you to talk about how it's been incredible what you've done uh, in your career, in a rock and roll career, while being sober.
2: Oh, the straight. And yeah. Narrow I mean, you, know, That's not what
0: you really meant by straight and narrow, but I right, jumped on yeah.
2: it. Yeah. I guess, you know, I stopped smoking pot 40 years ago because I, I felt like it was making me stupid. And nowadays, the, the marijuana is so strong that actually you'd be really stupid if you smoked it and you hadn't smoked it in 40 years. You've, oh God, don't I mean, try I mean, it. I've, I've tried it a couple of times and I've yeah. accidentally eaten some edibles and things like that and I've been catatonic and yeah. I, I was in, I, we were in Amsterdam a few years ago, me and my daughter and my wife and my daughter convinced me to take her to a hash bar, pot bar whatever it was called, you know, to smoke some weed. She was still a teenager at the time, so it's got to be 10 years ago and uh, it was just kind of funny, so I smoked a joint with her. And I went back to the hotel room and sat on the floor and passed out and rolled over and a, in a, you know, curled up in a little ball, but you know, listen, everybody has their own, yeah. their own shit. It's no secret that when I was a young teenager in 1981, I was tw- actually, I guess I was in teen- I was 20 years old. I got arrested in New Jersey with a stack of paper LSD and serve some, some hard time in the penal system of New Jersey. And uh, so, you know, when you get out of a situation like that, you have to pee in a cup and you know, prove your Mm -hmm. sobriety because, Mm -hmm. you know, back then, like when we were, when we were kids and you know, you guys are about my age and except for Tammy, who I think is 20 or 30 years younger (laughs) than me. Good recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, I think Tammy's celebrating her 29th or 30th birthday again. Sure. I forget. And, uh, but anyway, so, you know, back then when we were teenagers and smoking pot in the 1970s, like our parents actually thought we were insane and should be in the mental institution. Right. I mean, they really thought like, you know, not all parents thought that, but most of heroin. Uh, yeah. Unlike us today as parents with our kids that are like, you know, you know, make sure it's good pot, you know, right. for, you know whatever. Can I have yeah. some? Right. Can I have some? Yeah. <laughs> not me, but maybe you, that's Okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so you know, I stopped doing drugs after I got out of jail and I never really started again. But I will say that I have dabbled in some micro dosing of yeah. psychedelics over the years. But I consider that more spiritual than yeah. you know, taking drugs. I'm not necessarily taking psychedelics to like, you know, woohoo, we're gonna get yeah. high and party tonight. It's it's more of an experience and it's you know, few and far between. And you're working at these shows. I mean you're working, well listen, as a photographer, if you got a beer in your hand, can't really take a photo. You yeah. really can't. That's and if so you want, true. and if you want to take the best photo, you got to be ready.
1: Yeah, you could have one of those backpacks with it.
2: Yeah, right. The uh, tubes. Yeah. I have,
1: but I have a question that you remind me. So, what about COVID? I mean, I've talked to a few people recently. That was a really good drug. Yeah. Right. I mean, but I mean, did that, I mean, being inside and being, having to be more introspective and not being out filming like you're so used to doing, did that bring up anything new? Did you discover anything about yourself? Have you changed anything since then?
2: So, um, COVID for me was a productive experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very fortunate in that way. I started working on the book. I started working on a documentary film. I did a lot of editing and organizing, and I got to spend a lot of time with my wife and my my dog. And we went to the beach three, four, five nights a week, Love and it. did a walk at sunset at the beach. And uh, life slowed down. And you know, fortunately, knock on wood, my wife still had a job, even though I wasn't really working. You know, my my business in general still generates revenue because you know magazines and media companies like. Your Mm -hmm. company still need content. And so um, we weren't shooting things, but there were still stories coming out of magazines and they still needed photographs. And so my photographs were being licensed for use in magazines and books. And so, you know, there was money being generated, Mm -hmm. revenue being generated. But, uh, you know, like I said, we were very fortunate that we were okay financially during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was very creative and productive during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I felt really bad for a lot of people. Um, we did a lot of cool things. I, I don't know if you guys remember when both Dead and & Company and The Grateful Dead started doing uh, broadcasts of archival concerts on Friday and Saturday yeah. nights. And so a couple of Zoom groups formed around that. Um, one that we called the Marin County Zoom group and one was the South Florida Zoom group. And then they started to ask me to facilitate like some interviews. So I brought in some guests on our private Zooms, right? Where I brought in like Jeff Comente once. And we brought in Matt Bush, who manages Bob Weir and different people would come in and I would interview them for 15 or 20 minutes. And then the Broadcast would go and we'd watch these, these things. And then those people that started the Zoom group that invited me in said, what about live music? Can you get any, any of your friends to come in? And so we started a live music program that I was the talent buyer for essentially. And we paid musicians oh, wow. to come and do private Zooms for us. So it was anywhere from 30 to 40 people that were watching. And we did Jackie Green three or four times. We did Lebo. We did Nikki Bloom. We did Elliot Peck. We did Graham Lesh. We did huh. Anders Osborne. We did Steve pulse We did Vince Herman from leftover salmon. We did people from fruition, you know, and we were bringing wow. these people in and paying them money. And the way that the format went is they'd come in. I would interview them for 15 or 20 minutes about what they were doing during COVID and what was going on in their world musically. Hmm. And then they would play music and then the participants would get to ask questions to the artist. And it was this right. very unique and very boutique. And we probably did 40 or 40 50 concerts online and That
1: sounds like something that could be kept up live. Well people are too, live.
2: people like, are too busy now. People, oh. <laughs> people are too busy going out and
1: Well, no, I don't mean Zoom. I mean like before a concert like you get, you get yeah, 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 questions, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know yeah. you're going to be there, you're a photographer. Yeah, now, right? so, yeah. Oh, yeah, so it was
2: really fun and and uh you know, I enjoy being kind of the host and interviewing these people and a lot of them are my friends and I know what they're doing and you know getting getting fun stories out of them about projects they're working on and stuff yeah. like that. We just got Law. We did Ross James. Um, I can't remember. We wow. did so many different ones, but like we did Lebo, like we take Lebo for yeah. granted here in the Bay area. Yeah. Cause we live it's here. Amazing. We know him. We love him. He's amazing. I saw him with
1: Jack Johnson recently. Right? Yeah, of like,
2: course. Yeah. You know, he yeah, went to college yeah, with yeah. Jack, right? So, no, yeah. I figured uh, right? that out then. And so they were starting to ask me like, you know, can you bring in any artists that we've never heard of that we don't know about? I said, yeah, I'm going to go get Lebo. Right. So I go get Lebo and bring him in and he blew everybody's <laughs> mind, like blew their mind so much that like one of the guys on the zoom was like, can I, hire him for my birthday party for my zoom birth. And he's like, of course, you know? And so, you know, and we were, like I said, we were paying these artists real money. We were helping, you know, helping them get through COVID. So it was a very fun experience to do that. So COVID overall for me, yeah, it got old. Yeah. Yeah. I missed my community. I missed people. I missed live music. I, you know, I like being in the swirl and the mingle of, you know, being at Mount Tam for Mm -hmm. sound summit and seeing you guys and hugging you and catching up and saying hi, and then telling you I have to leave because I have to go take some photos and, you know, and but just kind of being in that swirl of being yeah. in our community and connecting with people on a human level and, and uh, you know, eye to eye, face to face. And like, you know, what are you doing? How are you? What's going on? You know, even if it's just for a minute,
1: do you appreciate it more now? I mean, do you, I mean, do you think that it got I always to the point appre- where you're so used to it? Do you think COVID made you appreciate that a little bit more or go back to that sort of human connection Uh,
2: Yeah, maybe. But I just feel like I've always appreciated that. You know, I I do some public speaking, right? So I'm doing a book tour coming up on the East Coast early November and I do these slideshow storytelling presentations. But along with that, I've done some high schools. I've spoken at some high schools. And that's one of the things that I talk about. I'm like, you know, you can stay home all the time Mm -hmm. and be on your computer and be on your phone and watch Netflix. Or you can go out and see live music and interact with human beings and have conversations with people and learn about them and have them learn about you and learn about what they're doing and you will actually have a better, more rich life experience. And so I've always, you know, been very well aware of the need and, uh, that it's just you know, makes us a better people when we have human interaction. Right. So, I'm a big pro- proponent of that. Yeah. Experience. I
1: love that you do that with kids because I think yeah. that's a, that, that's something. You they, know,
2: I mean, they all grow up with phones as pacifiers, yeah. and it's like, get out of your house, get out of Tragic. your house. That Netflix show will be on again tomorrow, but that live at concert at Sweetwater with that new band that you're dying that's to right. see, or your friends are going to see that
0: moment. That, the one we're going to talk about in 30 years. That's yeah.
2: only happening once. Right. You know, yeah. April 24th, 1989. Yeah. Like, I could have said to that photo editor, Jody Peckman, I could have been like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get in I don't really want to burn any bridges or try and right. sneak in and here we are 33 years later and those photographs tell that story and documented that moment and it's right. still something that people talk about to this day yeah. if I wasn't there and I, I mean I think there were other photographers there but not professional photographers right. some snapshots and some instamatic cameras whatever people were using yeah. there's probably a handful but there are no photographs of that night except for mine that is amazing right and so
1: and we're dying to see them now that we watch the video well, right. yeah, a bunch of
2: them. yeah I'll, We'll yeah. Go, we'll go yeah. into yeah. my office it's afterwards so cool. and, and look at them. So, 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 you know, I could have easily been like, ah, I'm not going to try and do that, you know? And so half of it is just saying is making the effort. Yes. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go to that show. I'm going to go to that festival. I'm going to go to that movie. I'm going to go to that party. I'm going to go to that backyard concert. I'm going to get on that zoom. I'm going to interact with people. And all of those things combined makes us who we are.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. I love that too.
2: I think we should
0: leave it with that message.
1: I, I think we could like yeah, we could start yeah, a whole other podcast. That's like
0: it's uh, <laughs> a great yeah. message. And you know wellness. you most you feel guilty in some ways. I, I feel like you did in the sense that COVID it wasn't terrible, you know. I think we got through it okay we got creative we started doing more of this kind of thing mm-hmm. and but you do miss it at the end of the day which you said yeah. Is, is, yeah. is at the end of the day the I mean human. people shouldn't be too busy maybe for to do some of the right. things like you were or doing too then. lazy
1: or too but yeah
0: to that's to get out uh and experience life and that's one thing I'll say to the kids now you know it's all about experiences with them and they need to heed their own wisdom
2: <laughs> a little right so okay Jay Blakesburg good chat Thank you for having me. And uh, one last note, if you want to get a signed copy of my book, just go to my website, blakesburg.com B-L-A-K-E-S-B-E-R-G.com. Absolutely. And it. listen, uh,
0: please go there, people. And uh, this may not be the last time we see you. We're working yeah. on a, another series through Mountain Tam Media called Tales from the Green Room.
2: Oh, I've got some green room <laughs> tales. Yeah. That time we were snorting all that. Nah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: no, it's, these are tales we can tell, I guess, right? right? Oh, you know? yeah. So I can't talk out of school. Yeah. Um, But
1: uh, But there's only a few people that have true tales from the green room. That's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The green room is a magical place because you know what? Nowadays, a lot of musicians go there and they make music in those yeah, green rooms. They, they rehearse, they try new uh-huh. things out. They, they go and connect with the opening act and say, Hey, do you want to sit in with our set? Let's go learn this song. And so, and then you get to a benefit like at the Sweetwater and you got Lucas Nelson and Bob yeah. Weir and David Nelson and DJ logic all standing around saying, Hey, let's all work on this song together. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with my camera there documenting it. So, those, yeah. so, so let's get together check. and uh, talk yeah. about what's going on in the green room. Room. Be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we well. have you as a, a co host, maybe, for a couple of them.
2: Oh, uh, that scares me.
1: But okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you twisted my arm. I
1: don't believe that. I don't believe that scared you. I don't think anything scares me. All
0: right. You. Well, yeah. Jay Blakesburg, yeah. thank you uh, again, and we will see you on the scene. All right. Yeah. For sure. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers.
2: Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Tammy.
0: Thanks for listening to Tales from the Green Room, a presentation of Mount Tam Media. You can hear more spontaneous stories from the secluded confines of green rooms on our next episode. To experience all Mount Tam Media productions, including the Woman Are Smarter podcast, log on to mounttammedia.com. We'll see you at the next show.